sermon series called uh, Sing Me the Truth, where we take a look at uh, five of the famous hymns from the most famous Methodist hymn writer, John Wesley's little brother, Charles, or Chuck. I don't know if he really called him Chuck or not. And so we've been looking by at the history of this, the text that, that kind of we're motivated by, and then we try and glean a lesson of truth. What eternal truth does this hymn have for us as God's people today in the year 2020? Now, it's amazing when you open the Bible, if you really are going to study it, the impact it can have on your life, even just a single, single verse. And we know just prior to writing this hymn, he was wrestling with something Paul wrote about to the church in Galatia, Galatians chapter 2, verse 21 where Paul writes, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. And so he was wrestling with that. A more modern translation says, if living a relationship with God could come by rule-keeping, well, then Christ died unnecessarily, right? You can't earn it. It's a free gift given and offered to everyone. But he could understand the the doing good part. I mean, he gave his whole life to try and walk the straight and narrow. But but as we heard a couple weeks ago, sometimes our head faith and our heart faith are two different things entirely. And so he walked around with this sense of awe and amazement. Kind of what Colossians chapter 2 verse 2 says, I want their hearts to be encouraged and united in love so that they may have all the riches of assured understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, the mystery, the holy mystery that is Christ himself, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And so we have this hymn, And Can It Be That I Should Gain? And I love some of the lines in here. I'm not going to step on Sue's feet. And can it be, amazing love, how can it be? That thou, my God, should die for me, tis mystery all, the immortal dies. Who can explain his strange design? So free, so infinite his grace, tis mercy all, immense and free. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Now no condemnation I dread, alive in him, my living head. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. This hymn was first called Free Grace, simply Free Grace, but he was a part of this holy club, right? Piety is the way to get into heaven, but he found out no indeed. And so whereas Oh for a Thousand Tongues to Sing was originally called for the anniversary of one's conversion, right, written a year later, this hymn and another hymn that we're going to sing at the 1030, Where Shall My Wandering Soul Begin?, came as a direct result, maybe even begun the very day of his conversion. And so, so uplifting is it that John Wesley included it in a group of hymns called For Believers Rejoicing. Now, Sue, you're the real expert on all this. So why don't you, why don't you give us a little taste sure. of this? Okay. Well, I was introduced to this hymn in about 1986 in the thriving metropolis of Odessa, Texas where we had a a British pastor come for a preaching mission. And he explained to us that And Can It Be is as popular in England as Oh, Four Thousand Tongues to Sing is here in the United States. 
I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. And they both tell the story of Charles' conversion, like you said. And, you know, I learned this week that um, in England there, when they have their ordination services, this song has the prominent position in the ordination service. Yep, pretty cool. I love this hymn. Um, I didn't know it until 1986, and I learned it to the tune that's now printed in our hymnal. But... Clearly, that uh, it has been said in a lot of other tunes, and the one that Molly just sang is a great retrospective look at this text, which is awesome. The one that's in our hymnal is very difficult to learn, kind of like the Star Spangled Banner is difficult to learn, but once you know it, isn't it fun to sing? This one is so much fun to sing. Um, it's called Sagina, which is a, an actual herb, name of an herb, and it, was, uh, it comes from Thomas Campbell's collection of tunes that he composed and adapted four Wesley hymns in 1825. I thought that was kind of cool. This tune has come from that as the most well-known tune, and it's really fun. Um, But it's the text that absolutely blows my mind. Every time I hear it or sing it, it's the text that got, I got goosebumps with Molly singing it, even though I already knew what was coming. Um, Pretty amazing. So you might want to notice that the hymn starts with five questions. And can it be that I should gain? Matt just, you know, reeled him off with that. These five questions. We don't often sing a lot of questions in hymns. That's something kind of different. Um, The second stanza says, The amazing love of the immortal God willing to die. How can an immortal God die? I told Matt it sounds like a confirmation stump the pastor question. You know, how does that happen? Well, if they ask, I'll just send them to you. (laughs) There you go. I'll say, pray about it. Um, But I love the clues throughout this that point to biblical references. They're just all over the place, and too many to to talk about here. He's going to talk about Paul in prison, and I love that is the most powerful image for me in all of this. Whenever I sing it, I imagine Paul being in that dark prison and those chains falling off, just clang right there. Um, The chance that he had to be in the darkness and what was going on in his brain, and then all of a sudden there's this light that shows up, and the guards that he can preach to. When I sing it, I try to make the words sound like what they are. Um, So like the chains, the quickening is going to sound, you know, for me it just gets all this energy. Flames will sparkle. And when I sing the last part that says, I rose, went forth, I always try to stand a little bit taller and imagine myself walking that way. Um, And the last phrase, the bold I approach the eternal. And she sang, did you hear how the music got really big in that part? Bold I approach the eternal throne. We don't have to worry about anything. It's a great hymn. Our closing song today, Amazing Love, stole words from Charles Wesley um, from this hymn for it. So when you sing that, sing loudly and take a lot of deep breaths. And indeed, my chains are gone. That, that new yes. bridge into Amazing Grace mm-hmm. is very much in fitting with some of his stanzas yep. in here as well. So thank I you, Sue. Thank you. This whole, you know, come to Jesus moment kind of really surprised even Charles, right? Maybe he wasn't ready for it at all. He was kind of even astounded that he even cared. What happened that suddenly he cared? What happened that suddenly he was fertile soil for the conversion power to come in? He already had life tied up. He already basically had his tenure at Oxford. He, he could live a very comfortable academic life. He could just keep thinking about things of God without ever having to really do the internal work. And yet he still was mission-minded. 
But he admitted, why should I care about something that happened so long ago? And I think that's rich. He said that 200 years ago. And some of us say, why should we care about something that happened 200 years ago? But he's really focused on what happened 2,000 years ago. What is the atonement theory that you have? Why did Jesus have to die? And Charles Wesley came to the conclusion, die he had to for me and for all of us. Because on our own, we are standing in the need of grace And so we know that Charles would spend the rest of his life in awe and wonder over God's amazing love and get this, fully comprehending that he would never fully comprehend it. Was that too circular for you? He didn't really understand it. He knew he had experienced it and he knew that he would never truly have the right answers. We see now only dimly. But when he comes and when we are born into eternity, it becomes crystal clear And so Wesley learned to live into the mystery. Sue mentioned, you know, that hymn begins with five questions, all exploring this incredible mystery. But we know in his own words that that suddenly after this God experience, he went from, in his own words, um, go where I will, I will carry my own hell with me, to his declaration in the fifth stanza, now no condemnation I dread. Alive in him, my living head, behold, I approach. But are you comfortable with mystery? Are you comfortable not fully understanding when the Spirit stirs you? Are you, are you comfortable with that? One person has said, the church has pretended to know more about the ultimate mystery than it really does. We pretend to know when we have premature answers when questions are both more appropriate and inviting. But as I told you, just before his conversion experience, he was reading what Luther had to say about that 21st verse. If righteousness comes by law, then Christ is dead in vain. And so he wrestled with these words. Did Christ die or did he not die? Was his death worthwhile or was it not? If his death was worthwhile, it follows that righteousness does not come by simply following all the rules, simply doing good works. Why did he suffer? Why did he love me and give himself for me? It was all done to no purpose if righteousness is to be had by the law. And so he's trying to convey that everyone who seeks righteousness without first seeking Christ just kind of misses the boat. And so something happened and he was trying to find language Now, it's interesting, most of the songs that we sing, whether it's praise songs or hymns, they're rarely first person from the beginning to the end. But this is him trying to make an understanding of it, standing in awe of it, to celebrate it. It it is why many of us relate to this song so impassionately. There is a sense of wonderment appearing from the beginning of the hymn to its central text and all who sing it. It takes him three verses just to express his amazement. This hymn moves many people to tears. I want to show you a picture of a person who cannot hear this or sing this without just breaking into tears. Can we see this next picture? This picture was taken about five years ago. Um, This was at a beautiful garden up in Northern California for the wedding of my niece, uh, or my nephew Tyler and my niece did the ceremony. 
And so that's me on the, you recognize me. Uh, on the other side is my big brother. He's more than a decade older than me. And my sister, who is 12 years older. And there is Mary, my mother, Mary. And Mary has made it clear that when, when her time goes to be born into eternity, she has to have this hymn at her funeral. She made sure that I know that it is locked down. So I sent my mom an email this week. I said, this week's hymn of focus is, And Can It Be That I Should Gain? I know at one point you wanted me to be sure to include this Wesleyan hymn at your celebration of life ceremony. And so I asked her, can you share with me what this hymn means to you, what it does for you, and memories of it in your worship life? Sent that text, and within a half an hour, my mom had replied. She said, well, Matt, all I know is that the last four lines in each stanza evokes a powerful, tearing response from me every time I hear it. Music embeds itself into the soul, and the church and music have been a huge part of my life. I originally heard, and can it be, on a tape of religious hymns that I used to carry in the car. I remember sitting in a bank parking lot for, with me, and it left me in tears. My mom said, how fortunate I am that I was born to the time, family, and place that allowed me to learn about the saving grace of Jesus how fortunate am I that the organized church has shaped and molded my life and the lives of my children. It is an inexplicable, it is a mystery of life with me as recipient. Thus, how can it be? There has never been a time that the church was not at front and center of my daily existence. And so one of the things my mom's going through is she used to journal. She kept journals. And she's right now reading through 1961 through 1963. I was not even on the radar, not even a thought. My siblings would have been uh, five and three. And she said, I recently came across three notebooks full of my notes on life in 1961 through 63, raising two small children, teaching part-time, and very involved in the McHenry Presbyterian Church. And one of the things I learned is that this hymn, this text, is in a variety of different hymnals. I guess the church has always been my mother hen, nurturing from the time I was a small child. But without it, how would I have known God as manifested in Jesus? It is with sadness that I see folks who have not had that nurturing exposure or some other pious, unloving church experience. God has blessed me. And that's how she ended it. God has blessed. And how can it be? She stands in awe. Stands in awe of things that, that many people take for granted. So we, as people of faith, need to stand in awe of much of God's creation, and we do. We marvel. I hiked Devil's Lake again and went down a different path that I had not been on, and every time I'm there, I just am amazed at the, the beauty of creation. But friends, do we stand in awe enough when it comes to contemplating the grace of God? Even when we cannot fully comprehend, grace is still amazing. God's grace still surprises us in all manners and in secret, secret ways. Are we comfortable with the mystery? It was John F. Kennedy who said, There are three things that are real, God, human folly, and laughter. The first two are beyond our comprehension, so we must do with what we can with the third beyond our comprehension. There is, and Neil and Sue would appreciate this, in Handel's Messiah, the bass soloist 
bursts out, behold, I show you a mystery, a mystery. And so, brothers and sisters, like Charles Wesley, the longer I study, the more I seek, search, the more I seek the Spirit, the more I suspect that's what we're really involved in, a great holy mystery. One preacher at the end of his 30-year career said, the first 10 years I explained, the second 10 I apologized, now I celebrate the holy mysteries of faith. And can it be that I should gain when I repeatedly fall so short when I completely am self-focused, uh, uh, and yet God breaks through this wonderful mystery of which we only have an iota of understanding about, it is worthy of our awe, our thanks, and our praise. Amazing love, amazing God. Amen.